Hey, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Conversation Podcast here at McCurdy's Comedy Theater. Please go to our website, mccurdyscomedy.com, for all of our upcoming events and shows and information on when we're going to open again. And... Please, if you want to get in contact with me, email me at podcast at mccurdyscomedy.com. We would love to hear from you listeners from anything and everything. This week, we had a really fun podcast. We actually had uh, two headliners on and one open micer. First off, we had Chris Gorgeous. He is a local comedian. He's one of our favorites here at McCurdy's Comedy Theater. He is a national touring headliner and... uh, We just love him, so he came down and sat down with us in the uh, main room at McCurdy's Comedy Theater. And we also had an open micer named Onhill Salvador, one of my best friends in the game. Uh, Love talking to him. He's uh, well-versed in improv, so you get to hear a little bit about that. And then we had uh, a major headliner, Helen Keeney. She is awesome. And uh, she called in, actually, on a phone because uh, we're trying that technology out. And I think it actually went pretty well. And uh, she's just hilarious to talk to. And all of us, really, we had a great time. So we called her about 30 minutes into the podcast. So for the first part, it's just uh, me, Les McCurdy, Chris Gorgeous, and Angel Salvador just kind of shooting the shit. So uh, I really hope you guys enjoy this one. And please give it up for Helen Keeney, Chris Gorgeous, and Angel Salvador. Hi, I'm Les McCurdy, McCurdy's Comedy Theater and Humor Institute in Sarasota, Bradenton, Florida. We are doing our, again, our podcast, The Conversation. Uh, It is uh, normally, normally, as we've been kicking off during this uh, virus shutdown, which we're in day 60 of the virus shutdown for McCurdy's Comedy Theater, um, which is incredible. And uh, we, we feel like it'll probably be at least, we're shooting for a hope of uh, mid-July to, to possibly be open. That's just a fingers crossed kind of thing. But normally when we started the concept of this podcast, it was going on during a performance uh, uh, evening. Uh, and we would be in the green room, which is just backstage. And uh, you would actually hear the performance going on in the showroom. And it was just our, it's just our conversation. It's just you being allowed to be in on what we bullshit about in the green room, not an interview or anything else. And so we've, uh, we've been able to continue that. And so uh, tonight we're going to uh, have a phone in from headliner Helen Keeney uh, a little bit later. Uh, but to start off, we're sitting in the showroom. We are properly social distancing. Uh, we, have, we have disinfected. Uh, you you can trust that we have, we just have, <laughs> and uh, and we all have a beer and we're ready to go. So I'm gonna have our two guests. Uh, also, Mike uh, is here with us. He's our producer that's always with us. Say hi, whoop, Mike. Whoop, whoop. Hey, how you doing? There you go. That's what he sounds like. Occasionally, he has something to say that's worth a shit. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to have our two uh, other guests uh, introduce themselves, tell tell a little bit about them, so we get used to their voice and we get going. I'll let Chris start. Uh, my name is Chris Gorgeous. I'm a nationally touring headliner uh, comedian. Well, was. I was a nationally <laughs> touring headliner comedian. 
uh, from Worcester, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston, and live currently in Clearwater, Tampa Bay, Tri-County area. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and. Uh, my name's on Hell Salvador. I'm a local open micer. I've uh, been doing it for a while. Originally from Springfield, Missouri. Moved here about five years ago. So nice, nice. Yeah. And uh, both these guys, you've both done the podcast before. And uh, Chris uh, w- works for us on a regular basis and-, and comes over from Tampa. And always great to have him. On Hell is here. Uh, he does our open mic. I-, I I don't know whether you've made it to the main stage yet. I have made it to a few shows. Um, I, I haven't come as much as I've wanted to. No, but I mean yeah. to perform on the main. Oh no, stage. not on the main stage. I didn't no. think so. Yeah, <laughs> <So> you were. <laughs> that was so polite. I have, I have seen a couple shows. No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't. Ch- I wasn't challenging you on that. Have you, you been know, here? Have you spent any money in this damn place? Why are you here? You know, no. But uh, uh, and you know, I, I you know, I I love that our open mic that we finally gotten an open <clears throat> mic night. That works, you know. I mean, it, yeah. it took us a long time yeah, to get yeah. something that worked because, you know, we uh, uh, we you know in this market, you know, you try to do open mic on a an off night like a Tuesday night, and and you tell the open micers go, hey man, look, it's it's you know it's a big room, you know, it, it's over two hundred and fifty seats in here. It's a you know it's five thousand square foot room or better. I don't know something. Yeah, and I go. I can't, I can't, I don't want you guys in here performing for 20 people. Okay. I don't want open, I don't want an open mic night where the open micers are performing for a bunch of open micers. And you see yep. that. Yep. I go, I don't think that does you any good. So, so at least all I'm asking is bring 10 people. There's 10 of you. You know, that's 100 people. Then you've got a good crowd. I mean, if you can get 70 or 80, it just never worked. You know, on an off night. Your it, open mic now is on, is it Sundays? It's on, uh, it, it, it's on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, Thursday. Yeah. Wednesday. It's, I feel like it's hard. For, yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Okay. And it's show. after the show. At, that's right. I remember I was here with Jamie and, Ball and he made me go on stage. That's right. Said, Stay and instead of being in the main showroom, it's in our lounge area. Yeah, it's a cool little space. Because we can put, we can put a <clears> sound <throat> system in there. And in that little space, if you only have 30 people in there, I mean, 50 or 60s max, I yeah. think. Yeah. You know, so 30 people's a hot little group in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and that room is set up perfectly for it, too, because it just pulls all the focus right in on the right. stage. Yeah, well, it's the, it's the only open mic that I know of that has a spotlight. Yeah. That's <laughs> have you guys got the spotlight now? We've yeah. had a spotlight since oh, have we started. You? Yeah. I, don't remember. I didn't get a spotlight when I was oh, on. Yeah, you did. You were just did you I? Were so used to this that you were like, oh, it's clearly. I was dazed and confused. You thought it was the same spotlight. <laughs> I don't know what happened. You didn't even know. I don't yeah. know. But, you know, I feel, you know, we, we had seen other clubs try that concept, doing open mic in their lounge after the show. Yeah. But they didn't police it. And they just allowed the audience to come into that bar area and just be however they wanted to be. Ah. So it, there was no focus. to There was no respect or focus to the performers. And I go, shit, they're, they're open micers as it is. It's already yeah. They're, yeah. they're under the gun. And plus, to me, I go, what? what is that? You know, say you have, and I know we do here, we have a lot of people that just come to the open mic. They like yeah. the open mic. Well, you come here with a friend. You've you never been to McCurdy's before. And they bring you to the open mic. And I'm letting the crowd just be assholes oh, and okay. yell out and do whatever <laughs> fuck they want to do. Back. And the, the, guy, the, 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 the open micers, who are, you know, all, all levels of quality, 
are struggling already, and now they're they're, they're it really and and then that person's going well. That's what stand up comedy is at McCurdy's. It, it, I don't even get why they anybody. No, so I, I, yeah, I've, sorry. I had some friends that like had seen me at other open mics, and then I told them like, hey, I'm doing open mic here or there, and they'd be like, oh, okay, cool. We'll see if we come. But then casually they came into the McCurdy's open mic, and even though I was doing the same material they had heard me do before, they were like you sound a hundred times better. And it's really hadn't changed anything. It was just the room itself, the way it was monitored and geared towards an open mic. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we, we demand it's a show because yeah. Mike, Mike hosts and runs the open mic with Johnny Hobbs. Yeah. And we demand that the audience, even though we let them do things like stand, mm-hmm. you know, cause of the space size. Right. And we're a little more lax with them, but we do not allow them to heckle. We do not allow them to yeah. interrupt your show. We, we, you know, and they're great. They're great. And uh, it yeah. really, I, That's I don't. That's because you have a professional room, Les. Right. That's the entire room right. from all of the walls. It's all about the art. And right. so that's why it's important. It is The other true. places, they've got other, there's other agendas. And I don't mean that in a nefarious way, but food, drink, whatever it is. You Drug, know what I mean? Yeah. Drugs. Yeah. Money <laughs> laundering. There's things going to me. on. Prostitution <laughs> in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I am working the wrong damn clubs. I Which swear open mics are we going to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! That's oh, what we used to have back in the day. I didn't. I came in a completely different avenue, and I didn't do open mics or classes. When I, I, what I did was I, I, I secured my spot as a house MC at a regular dinner theater comedy room, and that's what I did, mm. and that's how I learned. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And I still Where was go, that. Uh, that was in East Lime, Connecticut, at the Prime Cut Comedy Club. It oh, was a, nice. it was a steakhouse. And sat, it was like this room. It was a nice big room, and he had four shows a weekend, and he needed a house MC, and I, I volunteered. So awesome. for a year, that's where I cut my teeth. I don't like going to open mics. I can't, I can't perform in front of other comedians. I just I hate it. I hate yeah. it. Well, that, that's the thing. You go to some of these open mics, and there's like three comedians yeah. as the audience members. But then you, there's some people that have cultivated really good open mics, and you go there, and there's an actual yeah. audience. And you're like, oh, okay, I get this. And then in the back of the room, all the, all the comics are judging you, and it's great. <laughs> But like, yeah, but, <laughs> but it sucks when you do go to those ones where you're like, oh, it's all comics. It's here. all comics. I'm not going to learn anything about my act. And there are some good. Look, there's a brewery open mics on the other, uh, you know, Clearwater over my way, Divine, and um, they do great. Those. Yep, yeah, and and you know, um, John Jay's got a great open mic that's been there for quite a while, and they're doing really well. It, yeah, it's but yeah, I, I kind of like that. At the end of the day, it's not a comedy club. Yeah, it's but a brewery. still, yeah, yeah, at least they're paying attention. They are, but it, like, for the most part. I think yeah. we were talking about on one podcast like when uh, in uh, Texas when like Bill Hicks was starting like. That, yeah. that group of comics was like really hard on each other. Yeah, well, that was at Houston Comedy Workshop, right? And uh, yeah, they were hard on each other. They, I, I, they were they they, but but of course they were at that level. The they were all pros by exactly, then too, yeah. and they were just you know they were they were, they expected a certain level of say, creativity, higher expectations. Yeah, they, there was, and they would they would bust each other if yeah. they Which didn't is, do it. You yeah, know? and I kind of see that at these open mics in like Tampa, St. Pete area, where like the the, the comics are gathered in the back and they are kind of dick judging you, but they do hold you to a higher standard where it's like. It's like we saw what you did there. That was bullshit. Like, come on, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> See, I yeah. couldn't handle it. I, yeah. That's so much ego. You got to take it on the chin. Like, yeah, I can't. I can't. Just be like, <laughs> you, I, you know what? In the Fine. Face. I'll just juggle. Whatever. <laughs> I won't. I don't need this. I don't need this from you people. Why the judgment? I'm just here to have a good time and have a, a beer. He would. Yeah. He would well, and, and also, uh, it, it's like 
open, you know, but the guys in the back are open micers too that are Most judging. of the time, yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. So that's like that's like uh, getting a <laughs> golf lesson from a 20 handicap. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like, let me show you how to swing that club. Well, yeah. fuck, you shoot 95. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I want to learn from you. There's definitely that where you're like, this guy is like – Four months in, and he's trying to tell people oh, how, I know. how to do it. Kills you know what's funny is I I did a uh, I, I've been doing Instagram videos. I did Doug Candy the night, and I actually was on a messenger uh, thing with uh, Mike Rivera, and he said that about the uh, he made a comment about the newer guys. He's like, you know, they they think they know everything. Yeah, because yeah, oh, we because yeah. we watched like a couple of YouTube. They think videos. they know everything. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah, they watched it. They grew like your your generation watched got to watch comedy. You know, got to watch stand up. Yeah, like anytime you wanted to. It was like HBO, exactly all the specials. Whereas when I grew up, you know, there was only there was only the Tonight Show, and then and then you know eventually you had a a few other little venues that were popping up doing stuff, but it was very little stand up. You know, evening at the Improv was where I yeah, and nobody was really. Nothing was out there really talking about how you became a stand-up. There were no when I started. There no. were no. I lied to that guy at that place. I said, "I'll buy him good. I, will, I <laughs> can host your show, of course." And he was like, "Yeah," because I, I had heard. Here's the story. I, I worked in a medical center down the street, and a woman came in and she mentioned the comedy club, and I was already already considering. You know, I'd like to do this. You know, and she said, "I went to the show. It was awful." And I'm like, "Well, the comics? Not, no, the comics are funny. The host was drunk, he right. was stumbling, he couldn't oh. speak." It was right, awful. Right. And so, and she goes, and I'm pretty sure, she says, I think it was the owner's nephew. And it turned out it was his nephew. Got you. So when I went in there, I was like, you know, I heard, and <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't get stabbed. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, <laughs> I got the gig, but I mean, I, you know. I'll be sober. I will, yeah. I will tell some real jokes. I worked for uh, drinks and steaks. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I didn't well, expect I remember crazy. going into, uh, when, Ken Sons and I were a comedy team, and we were first getting started. We'd moved down here. For, we started in Denver. And actually, and that was 1980, and the Denver Comedy Works was one. I mean, let's put it this way. The next closest clubs were Vegas and Kansas City. Oh, wow. Okay? Damn. So there weren't many yeah. clubs yet. No. You know, clubs were just starting to, you know, 80 to 85, it exploded. But they were just starting to kind of open up. And uh, so, uh, and the comedy works in Denver. I mean, it's still one of the best clubs in, in the world, and, and it was back then. Uh, and um, but the open mic was run by a, uh, an improv group. That there were four <laughs> of them, and they were all pretty good stand-ups too. So they would switch out, you know, hosting. Uh, doing their stand-up in between, and then every once in a while they do a little improv thing. Yeah, that's and, how it, it was back in Missouri. I, I I worked for this comedy club. I used to was a comedy theater that did improv uh, improvised comedy first, and then I like what I call fell forward up. Like I went there because they had an open mic, started taking some classes, and I didn't have any money, so I was just like, I'll do it the George Winded approach, where I'll clean bathrooms for free classes. Yeah. And then by the end of the summer that I started working there, I became front house manager. So I went from like wanting to be a performer to like knowing the business end of comedy. I thought awesome. you were going to say you became a roofer. And I had to do all the locks, change all the locks. <laughs> all the, yeah. Well, they definitely had to change all the locks once I got done like that. Every, that's what everybody, all of our employees can take classes for free. Yeah. You know, awesome. well, but but you know, back then, back then, open mic was on a Monday night. They would put up usually about fifteen open micers, uh, and there would always be twice as many there 
trying to get up. And uh, but that place was packed. Yeah, packed wow. like a Saturday fucking night. Wow, you know everybody paid to get in because comedy was so new. Yeah, and the, the audiences were just spectacular. I mean, mm-hmm. they they just were like a theater crowd. And I don't ever remember people having problems with hecklers or anything. And Roseanne was one of the mm-hmm. open micers. Wow. She was a regular, and she was one of the the better open micers. <laughs> yeah. She was she was always good up there. But uh, I was just lucky with that. I didn't go yeah. through this no, open I got, mic. I got pretty bunch lucky. Of no, bullshit. I don't. Would you, you think you could? How would you do? I mean, I'm sure you do. You're a pretty personable fellow. You think you? It just seems very cutthroat and very kind of clicky and kind of. It can well, be. Well, we we yeah. never we never uh, uh, Ken and I were a team. We weren't right. doing stand up. We were doing sketch comedy, and we would usually if they gave us five minutes, we would try to do two sketches. We try to write two two and a half minute sketches. Yeah. And uh, and so we never really uh, we never really fucked around with the with the other comics much. I mean, you know, everybody. How was did no- they treat you? You know, they they treated us nice. I mean, nobody was an asshole to us. Well, comics you know? rarely are assholes to your face. I find. You know? No, I, I, I <laughs> like, only you know ask I mean? because yeah. Ken and I didn't give a shit. It, yeah. If they if they talked about us behind our back, I could give two fucks. Well, about right. That. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. what do I care what you say about me behind my fucking yeah. back? I don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. I just you know, know? that I, I only say that because when I uh, when I got into the stand up scene here, it, when I came back out of the military, I had already done stand up in New Eng- in New England, but nobody here knew that. Right. And I, that's where I did that the whole MC thing. Right. And then I came here, and I did stand up for a little while, and then I got involved in improv and I was actually had a lot of fun in improv I loved I had the charming hooligans and we had a great like five six year run where we were the you know the business and, and I just feel like some stand-ups think that I went from improv to stand-up right. instead of from stand-up improv stand-up I didn't know you did and I think you mentioned See? it so look at the end Isn't of this conversation we've done this two or three times <laughs> you want to do an improv uh, yeah, well, it's easy. We'll it's, try, a, sure. it's a fill in. We'll do a fill in the blank. Yeah, sure. We'll yeah, do it and let them give us why the not? words. Yeah. Yeah. We've just done it yes a few and. times. That's all you got. We've do. done that improv. one and we've done the continuous story where it's all of us and we just yeah. pass yeah. it. And each time we've had one person in the group that's never done improv in their life. And that ends up being the funniest because Always. they don't know what to do or yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> even better. Like, when you, you know, know just, honestly, the trick to improv, I, that's the thing uh, with a comedy club. Cause I was the one who like started in improv. I just joined a improv club in college. And then from there, um, actually somebody who was pledging my fraternity was like, Hey, they got an open mic going on down at the student union. And I was like, I don't want to go. And then they said, "There's free cookies and coffee." And I was like, I'm down. Yeah. Hold on. Did you say? Did you say improv fraternity? Oh no, I, there's probably an improv fraternity now. Is there? <laughs> probably. That's about no. the saddest. Thing. Yeah. That, would that would be pretty be incredible. They, they, they just say yes and to girls. I don't think so. I would do that. <laughs> nice improv now, fraternity. I say it because I think that some of the newer comics don't. I don't get associated with the other kind of veterans in the area because I didn't start when you guys started. I started well I did, but it was in New England. It wasn't here. Right. Right. And then I came and started Did you start in the eighties too? Eighty eight. Okay. So kinda at the end. It was right. it was crested and it was kinda dying out at that yep. time. It was yep. kinda ugh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember uh Frankie Paul. Yeah. He Love came Frankie. in here and for the most part, I, I do notice like the older guys like don't want to do the open mic because they've already got their hour. They they know what they want to do and stuff. And uh, Frankie Paul was like, he surprised me. He came in and was like, I got some new stuff I want to work on. And I was like, really? And then he comes yeah. in, and he did a whole new like 10, 15 minutes at yeah. the at the end of the open mic. And then he was just like so jazzed up. 
And I love that moment because then it's a teaching moment for all the open micers. All yeah. of them, at the end of it, he sat down and talked with everybody. Oh, cool. And they all had 100 questions for him. And Beautiful. That's, that's where I think the open mic really thrives is when... The hang. The hang after. Like, you learn so much more than just that five minutes on stage. You know I, I mean? had a job. I was like, mm-hmm. I cannot hang. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot do that. <laughs> I did improv. We had a midnight you're, show. Two, you're, two, the show was over at like 1.30, 1.45. We used to pack this place out in Clearwater, yeah. Florida. Uh, and they were like, we're going to hang in a parking lot. You have fun. I'm going. I yeah, you never did that. Ride. I always saw you like skateboard out. Like, I, I can't, <laughs> I don't, I can't. He would ride your skateboard as fast as you could to the car. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, come I, on, man. We're hanging out. Like, nah. I, but I will. I do hang out at the stand shows, but the improv thing was tough. We had some underage kids there. They, they weren't in there and you know, drinking. Right. They were 18. But right. they were, and I'm, you know, I was in my mid 30s. I'm like, I'm, not, I'm hanging out in the parking yeah. lot. Yeah. Right. Well, that's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, 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 it was odd. Well, you know, uh, uh, I know for us, for Ken and I, the the industry was told i mean i came in with a with a theater degree moving to try and i mean i was going out to la and try to you know see yeah. if i could get some kind of acting thing going on and and uh i, I felt i felt like if if the westerns didn't die i could be the next gabby hayes you know <laughs> <laughs> mike and i are just like somebody Ooh. had to be the next gabby hayes <laughs> Somebody had to be sidekick to the Clint Eastwood, <laughs> you know. Somebody had to be the goofy sidekick. Oh you know? my but, gosh! But that, but then comedy popped up, and, and it just looked like a, a way to make a side income when you're trying to get acting jobs rather than waiting tables or bartending or something. Yeah. Plus, with that accent, you're a shoe in. For for one sure. thing, I mean, and that was the thing is, I, I uh, going even going out to L.A., you know, in my mind. I mean, I went through a formal theater training, but I mean, you know, I I, I learned I learned to act uh, truly learned to act uh, with Chekhov, which is fucking. Oh, uh, I took a, a Chekhov is it, 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 but it, but it, it's so dry. What is Chekhov? Chek- it, Anton Chekhov, Chekhov is a Russian uh, a playwright, and. His his it's method uh, acting, isn't it? Yeah, is it and his plays are so they're so uh, slice of life, like four people in a living room yeah. just talking. Yeah. And it's very uh, and it's very like reactive on an emotional level yes. instead of like yeah. I mean, physically. to pull off Chekhov, you and it be interesting. Mm. You you really have to know what the fuck you're doing. Wow. I mean, you got to embody yeah. that character. Yeah, and of course, the whole thing with acting is with uh, uh, is that you got to get past acting because when you first get into acting everybody acts yeah, yeah. you know right. and, and you have to learn to get past that <laughs> and just be it you yeah. know which is Stand-up extremely is hard stand-up yeah. is the same way yeah, it, you're I exactly started, right you're i was exactly right. i was emulating comedians trying to be a comedian uh, right it wasn't until i started being myself mm-hmm. trying to find that voice yeah the, yeah yeah it's really <laughs> tough and that's when i started going much yeah we all do it. exactly but but we would hang out afterwards ken and i not to hang out we didn't give a shit about hanging out with the other open micers they weren't going to teach me shit i wanted to go we went we made a beeline straight to the headliner yeah and if we could we go right, get right to that headliner and go, hey, man, loved your act. That was great. You know, we're open micers here. Can we buy you a beer? And they would always go, yeah. <laughs> and we buy them a beer. Smart. We start chatting a little bit. And, we, you know, you, with most headliners, you got along with them. And you're just, you're just basically going, hey, man, how'd you get into this? Right. What yeah. do you, how you do it? And then if we could get them to go out with us, 
Go, oh, hey man. man, we know a couple of bars. We got a car. You want to you want to go out grooving around? And they're like, fuck yeah. They're <laughs> nine out of the ten. They didn't even drive in. They flew in, and we would just try to spend as much time as we could with them that evening, just picking their brain, and that was where we got the most valuable. Uh, the reason I'm here, uh, a, a comic, God rest his soul, dead now, Adam Leslie, uh, was one of the first wave of headliners out there, out of New York. And Adam told Ken and I, he said, look, guys, he goes, uh, whatever you're doing, you're, you're just beginning. He said, don't go to New York or L.A. right now yeah. and try to figure it out there, yeah. you know, unless you live there. Yeah. It's one thing if you already live there. But he goes, he goes, there's clubs opening all over the country, especially all over the southeast where y'all are from. He said he didn't say y'all. Yeah, I, I, you know I'm glad but he, he said, said that. But he I was said like, no way did he say that. No, he didn't. <laughs> but he no. said he said if I were you, I would go back to the southeast. <clears throat> I would find one of the good clubs like the Punchline in Atlanta or somewhere like that, and make that your home club. Get good there. Like be be one of the best. One get to pro level where they're hiring you. Yeah, right. Around <laughs> that region, you know, and then. Get to where you're a headliner in the southeast, you know, and you consider yourself maybe, you know, one of the top 10 or 12 headliners in the southeast. Nice. Then you're probably <laughs> kind of ready to go to New York or L.A. and, and you know, compete. Yeah. No, uh, that's so funny. Which, which was a, exactly what we did, and it was brilliant advice. I think it's funny you say because that, that seems to be like the common misconception like, like you always say, like when you tell somebody you're, you're a comic or they've seen you on stage, they assume that you just have a thousand dollars in your wallet at all times, right? You, you don't? It, no, I don't. Not even a little bit. But, but also, not? like this. I, <laughs> oh, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> you don't even have a fat Benjamin. But uh, me, and, me and Chris are gonna play poker after this. <laughs> we hoped you guys could. Oh yeah. Up. Yeah, I'll be the dealer. How about that? <laughs> you, guys can, you guys can tip me after. But uh, also, like when you tell people you're a comic, they immediately assume like that you live in LA or New York, or like that you're gonna you're gonna be going there like in the next couple months to like go and further your career. And it's like like you're 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 right. You should start where you are. Like get good where you. Like, well, yeah, I, I got that advice as an actor even right. in, in in the theater department at University of Memphis. I was lucky enough that when I was there, they were very innovative. Uh, the the dean of the department was, and he brought in four uh, four different um, teachers. In one was in dance, one was in mime of all things. Two, one was in acting, and uh, no, two acting teachers, one mime instructor. <laughs> That's and, hilarious. Which was movement, mime and movement. Oh, okay. And then one was dance. Well, all these four had worked pro pro. They'd been on Broadway. They had, wow. you know what I mean? They had, the mime guy had worked with the top people in the world. He traveled. So they were, and they were, it was like a sabbatical for them. Yeah. And one of the things that all four of them were like, man, get good in your own backyard yeah. before you start. <laughs> like, you, if you're not the shit in fucking Tennessee, you know, I don't know whether you need to be coming to Manhattan, you know, I mean, for real, you know, you need to be something people are yeah. like, in other words, people need to know your name yeah, exactly. in your region, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, got to get invited right. to, yeah. to Spring, LA, Springfield, exactly. Missouri. That's where I was from. I went to Missouri State and uh, 
and instead of like pursuing what I went to school for because I actually got degrees in psychology and business and all that stuff I actually decided to pursue comedy and I that's when I started working at theater but then like because there were other open mics popping up I guess that clout from that theater going to the other places like I would basically say I became the guy who'd make fun of the venue and then the venue owners would be coming up to me he's like how would you make this better and stuff like that and so I got known for that and instead of just also being paid would you like you got known for that I got known for that it's like Damn. hey this guy's this guy like he's saying the stuff renovators about, the re- here the renovators <laughs> yeah. here but the thing is the audience would laugh so you were like a yelper before Yelp came uh, out yeah pretty much <laughs> I was a comedy yelper <laughs> just talk shit on the yeah place. but then they would hire well, you they would hire me like yeah I, I, I got side gigs and stuff to like to make that. comments about the rooms not this room yeah. ever but uh, other rooms yeah. other rooms yeah no <laughs> but it, it ended up being where like I would actually get like hosting gigs for like um, trivia nights where they would pay me you know 30-40 bucks sure. for two hours get as many free beers and a dinner and be like, well, all right, that's all I'm doing on a Monday night. Right, so, right. And just, it, and it just kind of trickled over and over and eventually like ran into like running my own venues and stuff. And like, when you said earlier, the drunk guy hosting, that was me my first time running because I had no idea. I was just fresh Yeah. and I was doing it inside of a, it, it was a Latin dance club, but I <laughs> guess the, the first housing crisis had happened. And so like, they were switching markets, so they became an alternative, you know, LGBT community kind of club and oh, everything. Oh, book me there. A Latin yeah. to LGBT, that's my crowd. Oh, All it was, <laughs> my crowd. Oh, it was great. Me. It was great because that's where I got my first, like, people realizing, like, okay, this guy's actually hosting his venue. Right. And I would get a lot of those kids who couldn't go to the you know, uh, other open mics because they were 21 and up because they're in sidebars. So oh, they would okay, come cool. to mine, yeah. and they would come there. And so you made a lot of new friends and stuff like that. So. Yeah. That's the way you do it. Some people just invent, you know, like scenes. I did that with the improv. When I when we started our improv thing, I didn't even know about you guys over here, but there's nothing over in Tampa other than a sketch group called the Sidewalk Cracks. Right. <laughs> I swear to you. And <laughs> and then I came in and I answered an ad for some rehearsal. It was the the troupe was called Beat the Dead Horse, uh-huh. and then they split apart and became Charming Hooligans. And then now there's just a huge scene both in Sarasota and Tampa. There's all kinds of troops. Yeah, well, you got now. Florida Studio Theater yeah. here. Well, Daryl yeah. Knapp is up yeah. here in Sarasota. He was part of my troupe. Actually. Got you. Yeah. Got you. You know, which is and you know that's the thing is is that you know we toured. We were to to my knowledge, Ken and I and another guy named Sam Walsh. We started touring uh, with a show in the comedy clubs in the in the uh, mid late eighties, uh, maybe uh, early nineties. We but we did it for uh, maybe it's mid late eighties because we only did it for about three years. Where it was an improv, it was what we would do is each one of us would go up and do ten minutes of stand up, and just to sell ourselves mm-hmm. to the audience and to and to. You know, so that they, they already had confidence that you were funny. You'd made them laugh. They knew you were funny. Then, and actually, we would actually do about, we do half and half. We do about 40, 45 minutes of stand-up, and then the second half of the show was all improvisation be- between the three of us. And we had, we had a, 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 about a dozen club owners that embraced it uh, because Ken and I were both already closing, and the other guy was a middle act, so we really we needed to make almost three thousand yeah. dollars, at least twenty five hundred, which was double the normal budget. Uh, well, it wasn't double, but it was a third more. But th- they did, you know, th- because they saw the concept. There's nobody yeah. doing that. 
you know, there were very few stand-ups that were comfortable with improv at all. Still not that many. Still like that. Yeah. And because uh, they didn't want to take that risk of looking bad. And uh, it, the shows went great. We always had wonderful – well, I won't say always – Except Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> they looked at us like we had a third eye. You know, they were like, I don't know what the fuck you're trying to do. We're, the, we're definitely not going to be a part of it. And uh, they wouldn't give us suggestions, nothing. Isn't that nothing, nothing. They was, they was like, no, we're not. Oh, that's Stand so. up. It's supposed, you're supposed to entertain us. We are not involved in this shit. Yeah. And that's why they were. That's awesome. but, but uh, but give me a place that you would have a sandwich. What the hell for? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't trust came, you. A guy with a, a big old typical farmer-looking guy <laughs> came up to us after the show, rightfully so, <laughs> and he said, uh, "Hey guys, I got to ask you something. Oh, God. I was really impressed with that. How do you get a job like that? I mean, really? I mean, ha- did they they paid y'all right? They <laughs> paid y'all <laughs> to do Man. what you did up there." Yeah. Do you do that all over the country? They pay y'all <laughs> to do that. It's robbery. He goes, he goes I think it's brilliant. That's <laughs> how do you do something that bad? Yeah, that's funny. And, oh, so insulting. And, uh, and for Huntsville, he was correct. Um, but, but we had great shows, but it never, it never drew. It never, you know, and it's hard, it's hard to create a draw without television, without right. national exposure. And we never could get the national exposure. Yeah. It's it was it was almost impossible to get national exposure as an improv, as improv uh, because we really I, I think to my knowledge there was, you know, and and I'm not counting Second City, you know, and, right. and Saturday Night Live yeah. because I mean that that's really sketch. They worked it out in improv, but by the time they get to it, it's 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 pretty much down to the wire. The, the touring troupe does do some line games, yes, and some scene games, but mostly they do their yeah, it's their yeah, it's yeah. Tr- it's they're not taking Mo- much any, ri- any risk of no, right. improv. But you had a group called Ace Truck and Company back in the Carson days, and they were actually on the Tonight Show a couple times. And the guy who owned one of the guys, uh, George uh, McKelvey who were one of the owners at the Comedy Works in Denver, he was in Ace Trucking Company. Uh, that was probably the reason you had an improv troupe that ran the open mic. But uh, they were on a little bit on television, but it never they never went anywhere. And then until Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you how do you get how do you get a network to buy into we're gonna we're gonna truly True. improvise. And so so you're going, so you, you can't tell us exactly what you're going to say. No, no, we can't. We can't tell you exactly what we're going to say. But we can heavily edit it. <laughs> exactly. So well, it's yeah. hard to sell sponsors on yeah. it. You know, it's just a, you know, I, I, I mean, I looked into the idea of, and, and we've talked about this, of doing an improv thing here on our stage that is sold as this is, we ain't shitting around. This ain't whose line is it anyway. They're, they're great. Don't get yeah. me wrong. They're all amazing. But they sh- they shoot the same improv uh, structure five times well, until yeah. they got the one they liked. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I had a punk rock troupe. We took huge risks. Yeah. So huge. the thing about it is I don't think, to, to my knowledge, there has never been a live improv show on TV, no, any no. kind of television, even on the internet, that well, I know. Whose, no, whose line? Whose line was heavily edited to oh, make okay. it seem funny? It wasn't well, live, and it was, and it was also they did what they call short form games. 
Um, there's this guy actually, from Missouri, because that's where I did. Um, his name is Jeff Houghton. Um, he actually started a late night improvised um, uh, talk show. Uh -huh. And so it was no script. They, they would just book a guest, and they'd just basically it'd be like the Farley thing where he just imp uh, improvised the questions. And, right. And then he now actually, well, he threw a hot dog in my face, but he's a like, regional Emmy winner. Because the, the hot dog in your face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just glazed right over that. Yeah, well, it was, it was for the, it was for the intro of the video. Well, it wasn't for the intro it was, of the video. It was an improvised scene. Yeah, well, he was shooting an intro. Was and there was, mustard on the dog? There was. <laughs> and it was like it was all like a third or fourth shot. Like, that shit stains, like, man. So was it wasn't like, like you're in an argument. <laughs> He's like, you know what? The hell with you, buddy. There's one way to get a hot dog, but when there's mustard relish on it. That's offensive. A little ketchup. That's a dick move. That is. That's insult to injury right there. But yeah, it was we were shooting this thing and like it was like the third or fourth shot and like by this time like he was I was tired of eating the hot dogs because that was kind of the thing he would hand off the hot dog and I would eat it I was skateboarding by and the last one he just threw it at me, but he, <laughs> but he's gotten like the booked uh, like uh, like I'm trying to remember like people he got a few people from the office on there. Mm -hmm. um, some what was that one guy that he was on it, uh but they don't do improvise they don't do improv exercises or games so to speak it's uh, just an improvised format where they don't have any structure to the I, show. I don't i well it used to be uh imp uh like no format with this <clears throat> audience and then just randomly things would happen but once they got like the national recognition and started actually recording the shows and they're like syndicated and across like four different states so now they have a more yeah, right on they have more like of a so, traditional so layout. it truly is they're truly doing what i'm talking about and that is we're going to do an improv structure. Yeah. There has been no rehearsal. Right. This is live. This is off the cuff for sure. Originally, and yeah, we I are know. not going to edit this. We're not going to change it. If it sucks, well, you're going to get to see us right. fucking suck. Well, that, I, that used to be the so... intro of my show, basically. <laughs> when we did the hooligans, I was like, look, this is all improvised. You know. Yeah. There's no I guarantees mean, here. Well, the, that... the, I, I was just going to say, the one thing you can be sure of, if you watched a 30-minute or hour-long performance that was all improv games and every single one kicked ass that ain't fucking improv i guarantee uh, you <laughs> yeah so there's always gonna be bad there scenes, always yeah. is yeah there's always you bad can't scenes. there's no way no. that you're not gonna have some really flat but, and even embarrassing uh, <laughs> I, I, i've moments. seen i don't know if you've you know. been ever been to any of the improv festivals here like in the yeah. orlando well not there not in orlando but we have one here florida studio theater right right no but Does i mean one is, and they, I've, they, I've been to there i saw some guys from chicago and they were called uh they were called uh not improvaholics. There was Bass Improv, and there was there was a young troupe from Chicago. Okay, and they did. It was long form. Is yeah, what it was. right, right. But they were. It was connected. It was long form. It wasn't a herald, so to speak, where you have three sections, right? Right. But yeah. they did like the machine. I don't know if you ever know what the machine is, where five or six players get together and they do motions. And they oh become, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they build a, a machine. Piece of, exactly. Yeah, got you. Uh -huh. uh, but they were flowing in and out of scenes. I mean, our jaws were on the floor. I was like, uh, and I thought the same thing. I thought, what? I, and I, maybe they just work so well as a group. It yeah. does. It does take time. It to, was amazing. Like that's the thing with improv. Like you do have to eventually get that group mind and build a troop. Pretty. There, there were there were there were teams that like I played with, where a lot of the time people sure. would like rely on me because they're like, oh, you've been here the longest. You know how to make things funny. But with improv, you'd never go for the jokes. No, right. You well, never go for the jokes. Well, and that's you where I, you know I, that's where I. Take issue with that, you know. <laughs> if you want to do improv theater, improv, yeah, right, okay, cool. If you're doing improv that's billed as comedy, 
Yeah. And you're doing it in a stand-up comedy venue where the expectation is that this is going to be funny. Then in when I do that, my expectation with the players is I want you to try to go for the joke every time you can. Right. In yeah. other words, that's our goal well, no, is, yeah. is I mean, to I'm try to saying. get a laugh. I mean, you know, it's like – Feed information, feed yeah. information, feed absurdities, justify the absurdities. Exactly. And yeah. then, you, but one of the things that uh, that a little, just from reading about Second City, you know, was that, so you get a group of players that, one, are, are rehearsing together on a regular basis. So over a period, of, let's say for a year, you know, so over that period of the year, what happens is everybody knows that, all th- all four of us, they go. Each one of us have three or four characters yeah. that we can play. Yeah. That we that we all know that that right. that they have that character. We and what's going to come out of that character's mouth? Exactly. And yeah. we know when they go into that character. We know that character. We know when you. So we know that. So you're going into it. Let's say with the four of us with sixteen characters, we're all very comfortable with. We know what dialects of each of us can do. You know and. There's a certain amount of when you've been doing improv for a while, you already know when you ask for suggestions from the audience. What you're going to start up. Of course you do, because the audience gives you the same fucking suggestions within a certain parameter. That's why I smacked them down with my samurai sword. No, well, I will not take eight. Exactly no. right. You go, give me a kitchen appliance. Well, you know it's a blender. Or you a know spatula. it's a toaster. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's certain things you just know. And so what, what they said at Second City was that, uh, that, that so obvious, I don't know why we didn't think of that, is that one person goes up and gets the suggestions first, you know, gets all like the information list, yeah. first, yeah. okay? Then, after they've gotten all the information that they're going to use in the improv, then they explain the improv structure to the audience. During that minute two three minutes while they're giving the explanation to the audience the players are backstage chattering going okay i'm gonna you do that character i'm gonna do this character we'll walk you walk out first we'll go so you're already you're already brainstorming a basic plan you know that you're going to improvise off of but you already have tricks you already know you have tricks. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You've developed them. You're yeah. you're not doing a sketch. You're still improvising mostly. Yeah, I think the idea is is like you you're improvising a character in a situation. That's the idea. Like you can like I always got stuck with the foreign accent guy. And uh, or it's just or, Do you do foreign accents? I do them very horribly, but for some reason, people think it's okay that I can do them. <laughs> so, <laughs> that you can do them badly? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, we can all do them badly. After the first time, you're like, you know what? Never, don't yeah. do that again. Uh, you know, no. it's like, it's like and, and I don't know about you, but I go, people that do accents badly, they usually have one accent that they're somewhat comfortable with. So no matter, so let's just say it's, I, it's Irish. <laughs> so they'll go German. And the German morphs into Irish eventually. Eventually, it all falls back into that one, one son yeah. of a bitch thing you can do. Hey, look, let's, uh, let's give Helen Keeney a call. Yeah. Hey, Helen, can you hear us? Yes, I can. All right. Can you guys hear her? I can hear her, but just barely. All right, I'm trying Which is good. I Teasing think. Helen. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. But she's still, it's not coming in strong, strong. How about now? 
Say something, Helen. Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. Check, right check. Testing. There it is. That's good. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, those of you who just uh, who are listening to, uh, to us, uh, uh, this is Helen Keeney. She regularly headlines our theater and has been for quite some time. And, uh, and, and she is also a regular host on Home Shopping Network and has been doing that for quite some time and uh, lives over in Tampa and has a, a lovely uh, daughter who is now a teenager. She's 20. She's 20. That's right. You showed me the picture. <laughs> I know. You showed me the picture. Yeah. And yeah. oh my God, that's so crazy. That's so crazy. It is crazy. It is. So, and I just recently I went we, to Helen's we, wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, she married a, a very nice fella. And uh, at least as far as we can tell, uh, <laughs> seems like a nice fella. And, uh, and, that's, and that's, you're not even a year into that, correct? Right, and it's the perfect time for a global pandemic. You're one of them. <laughs> Look, Helen, me and I've said to a lot of people, I said, hey, man, you know, how lucky are those of us who go into a quarantine situation and, and, you know, where you can't touch anybody, fear your life or fear somebody, but you actually have someone that you live with that will let you that you enjoy touching naked, <laughs> you know, and you really like their company <laughs> right. to get through this pain. You know, you can't go on. You can't go on Tinder right now. <laughs> could you? No, that'd be foolish. No. That hasn't stopped no. me, Les. That hasn't stopped me at all. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Yes. But I think I think Pornhub is blowing up right now. <laughs> What's Pornhub? Porn. Pornhub. Oh, Pornhub. Don't act like you don't know what Pornhub is. Liz. I know what Pornhub. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't act confused, Les. No, no. I, I'm okay. No, I use X Hamster. But, uh, <laughs> <and>, but <laughs> because there's less cookies. Um, but uh, uh, well, you know what? But but. Porn was already pretty strong. I, I think that I, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they needed the extra bump. Yeah, you've never done por- <laughs> you've never done porn before, have you, Helen? Um, define porn. Oh, <laughs> I mean, no, not not like you would think, but you know, I mean, I remember doing an audition for a horror movie a million <laughs> years ago, where there was might have been some nudity. There might but have it been was a million years ago, and I looked good naked then. So, so there <laughs> might have been some nudity. Fast. So there was some nudity in the audition process. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. but uh, hey, look, yeah. I, I remember That's when I was. Something I never told you. I didn't know that, and I'm glad I brought this up. Because <laughs> 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 I did, I wasn't sure what I was going to talk to you about, but I know exactly what I'm going to talk to you about. Well, that, you know, yeah, I, I, I you can go. remember Helen. You know, going through, you know, coming out with a theater degree. And, and, and you know, everybody sitting here has theater backgrounds. And uh, introduce yourself to Helen. Oh, uh, my name is Angel Salvador. He's one uh, of our local open micers. Chris Gorgeous, local headliner. Have you worked with, you haven't worked with Chris before, have you? I, you know what, I know exactly who Chris is, but I was trying to rack my brain to see if we've ever actually met. I don't know if we have, but okay. of course I know who he is. Yeah, I don't, and nice I see you, Angel, too. Yeah, that, I don't think we've ever met. Nope. That's okay. They, that way they can fantasize whatever they want about how you look naked. <laughs> uh, but here's the deal. I, well, back then, it, amazing. <laughs> you're, I'd say you're ago. probably pretty, pretty darn good right now. 
Uh, and I know uh, that might be left. might be wrong to say, but I'm sure it's fine. How, but how does Chris look naked? That's what I want you to judge. I I don't know. Right now, you know. I took I all know, the mirrors out of my house. house. Sweats. I took all the mirrors out of my house. I'm like, no more. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 we all. I don't know. You, if you remember on, I can remember on those auditions that you would go into. You know, and first you go through the cattle call, right? And, and then you get the call back. And then the call back, you actually, and I can remember going to these auditions, you know, that were in these hotels, that were in hotels. I mean, big, posh, beautiful hotels, and you're in a big <clears throat> banquet room doing the cattle call, and then each of the, the uh, companies would have a, a suite, and then you would go there. That's the second part of the Exactly, yeah. to do your call back, to yeah. do the real audition. And it was like when you, you went go into the, the, uh, the, the pitch to buy a picture package. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, when you uh-huh. got there, you were always trained by your, you know, to be ready for anything. You know, like if they looked at you and said, you know, uh, you know, you got six different monologues that are six different, you know, types of, uh, 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 you know, Emotion. presentations, some emotions. And you do one and they and then they go and I've had them do this go. I'd like for you to do that standing on your head. Oh, my God. I've had that happen, and, and I did. I flipped right on my head, and I did the down. Did you get the part? Yes. Did you have to stand on your head at all during that part? No. That is weird. No. But it, the point was, <laughs> I, I think lots of times they're just testing to see if you can take direction. Right. Or, and it, or and if, if you're going to do weird shit. And, <laughs> yes. Or just flat out refuse yes. to go, no, I'm not doing it. So yeah. <laughs> in that light, Helen, it's like, I can. Th- I've never. I never was in an audition where you know they just said, "Take your shirt off" or whatever, "Take your pants off" or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I wouldn't have if <laughs> if I thought if I thought it was legit. Yeah. You know. He's like, okay. But now with all this Harvey Weinstein shit and everything, you know, <laughs> I mean, was it what was? Did you feel like it was legit when you were doing it, or when you left, did you go, "Well, that was just fucked up." No, that was a legitimate audition, but I've been on the set of a movie, and mid-movie, I had, the, had the, someone come over and say, all right, in this, you know, there was like a make-out scene, we, we want you to take your top off or something. I, I've had that happen in, in mid-shooting, in the middle of a movie. Like on the floor. And I said, right, on, on the set, the director come over, and I said, no, I said, no, I'm not doing that. And he said, oh, your agent said you had no problem with nudity. And this is exactly what I said. I said, well, then why don't you let my agent do the, do the scene? <laughs> and, and, and that is, that is 100% true. And that, and that movie is uh, available, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, and it's called Plutonium Baby. What's it called? It's about a radioactive bunny rabbit. It's like the worst <laughs> horror film ever. Thank God. Is it on Amazon Prime? In that movie. <laughs> did, she, did you say baby. Plutonium Baby? Plutonium Baby. Yes, look it up. It's oh, available, like Believe literally available. You, it's from, um, oh my God, the, uh, I can't see the name of the movie, co- Vestron or, trauma? you know that old trauma? movie company, Tron. Tr- trauma. Trauma. Yeah, that's it. We're yeah, trauma, look, it. we're trauma twins, you and I? <laughs> I have a movie on trauma I, I as well. So. Plutonium Baby yeah, has one uh, star <laughs> on IMDb. That, that is generous. Can I just say that generous? Is, is there anybody of note in Plutonium Baby? Uh, 
Me. Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Malloy. Exactly. Danny Gu- Guerra. Ah, uh, not really. Uh, yeah, I was in a. I have a bit part in a film that just got picked up by Trauma. Actually, we just had a release party. So we're yeah, right tra- there, we're Helen. Trauma twins. Helen Keeney. I didn't even know they were still in business. You played. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, Toxic the guy. Movie. There was a guy who was on the set who was like a producer, kind of character, and he played the kid in that movie Toys. That starred, um, I think it was a Robin Williams movie. He played the little kid, okay. and then he was older, and he was the, he was probably the most famous person at that moment who was on the set. Wow! Yeah. Did that did that movie get any release in theaters, or was that just something that went straight to video? No, it was it was it, it was straight to video because it was during video days. Right. And then I thought it disappeared for forever, but recently it's like reappeared on Amazon. <laughs> and you can actually, I actually, I actually, this is a true story. I bought it so I could, sh- could I, so I could show uh, my husband how thin I used to be. So it was, because <laughs> wow. there was some making out and there was like action to fight scenes. And I was like, oh my God, look at that ass. I was amazed. <laughs> that's like, but that's kind of cruel, isn't it? Like, look, it look cool. what you could have really had. Cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> What you're saying to your husband is if you had just been 15 years earlier. You'd just been a little 15 quicker. 15 years earlier. Oh, sweetie, 15 years? You're being generous. I don't know. <laughs> it was more than 15 years. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I think I'm barely recognizable. But I mean, I had dark, long, dark hair before I was blonde. I was, I had my maiden name, so I was Jewish then. I'm not now. I'm Irish Catholic now that I use my first husband's last name. Got but it. uh wow, <laughs> is a, you know, I was Helen Rosenthal in the credits. Wow. Kelly yeah. Rosenthal? It did say that. I was wondering. Helen Rosenthal, yeah. Is that That's it? Yeah. Oh, wow. She's a good wow. girl. Yeah. Helen Rosenthal. And you played Diane in the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, the character had a name, but after I wouldn't take my clothes off, they wrote me out of the rest of the movie at the end of the story. <laughs> sons of bitches. That, there you go. Yeah, and that's where the Me Too go. movement started, there right there. Ridiculous. Yeah, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's, a, that's, a, that's a good story for a podcast a million years later. <laughs> well, it is. Yeah, well, like uh, you know, say with the Me Too thing, I mean, you had that one situation, where this one, where they said, take your top off. Did you, did you ever have one of those... Harvey Weinstein moments where they called you yeah. go into oh go, yeah where, I uh, mean where you 100%. were like one hundred percent I I think yeah the, I think the biggest one I had was in New York City I went to a school called the American Academy of Dramatic Arts mm. and I was nineteen yes and you go to the school and at the end of the sc- yeah at the end of the semester you, you do a play and the director of your exam play it was like your final exam. And there was a director, and it was literally called your exam play. And how you did in that play, they decided whether or not you came back for the second year. And the second year is when you got you know, agents invited to come see you perform. And your, it was a big deal to get invited back for the second year. So I did it, and the guy who was directing my exam play asked me to stay after rehearsal. There's like a helicopter going over. Sorry, I'm sitting outside. But, um, <laughs> That adds to the Sorry, I'm being picked up by the FBI right now. Yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. no, so the director of my exam play, it's but I, like a Bond movie. I went up to this room and he locked the door behind me oh, and God. said, you know, you know, started hitting on me and then why would you go out with me? And I said, well, I heard you were married. You know, I, I was making up, I was vamping. He had a wedding ring on and he literally was chasing me around the table. And I ran out of the room, unlocked the door, you know, called my parents. And wow. uh, told the president of the school, 
and I got kicked out of the school. I did huh. not get invited back. And the guy who was the director still remained there as a very prestigious teacher director for years to come. Wow. And it was very, it was a very, it was a really rough thing to go. I actually quit being show business, went back to college and majored in history. It was probably about two years uh, before I said, you know what, I really want to do this. I don't want to let that one experience kind of, you know. Right. And the rest there, of there's history. some messed up people out there, man. I don't <laughs> but understand. That, that was it. It's you know? incredible. And no I, comics ever hit on me on the road left. It's weird. I don't know why that. Happened. <laughs> <laughs> With no club, no club owners, no. <laughs> no Never. Nobody. No headliners. <laughs> not, not, not no headliners. Ever. You know, offering you. She's like, oh, I switched to stand up. All of a sudden, I'm a dog. Apparently. <laughs> no, it's because you're a fierce woman, Helen. You're a fierce woman. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's. I, I think they were terrified after they saw my show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it, man. Shit I don't could get, get exposed. I just don't get how men think they can do shit like that. I don't it's, understand that. I, I totally agree with you. It, it, it really is incredible. It. And just the, just the whole – I mean, just the whole idea that you would bring a, a young like, – how old were you then? 19, she said. You were I was 19. 19. 19. Uh, yeah, I was 19. So, yeah. You're, so you're bringing a you're, – you're, and, and I'm sure this is like a probably a 40-year-old man – you know, and you're bringing a 19, oh, at, least. at least you're bringing a 19 year old student up to your room. Now, not like that professors don't fuck their students. I mean, that's kind of like, isn't that consensual though? Yes. They don't chase oh, a them. lot they don't because chase a lot down. of, because there's a lot of students that are, you sure. know, they're attracted to their professors, right, you know, right. and that shit happens all the time. That's I'm, true. I'm that not saying true. there's My mom and dad are both college professors, so I will tell you that is true. <laughs> you, you, you knew they <laughs> fucked their students? That's right. How did you know that? No, no, no. But, but I remember my dad getting letters from grad students and stuff like that. And my mom always, I mean. My mom always told me, like, the weekly, which professor left his wife for a grad student story. Nice. I mean, that was pretty God, common. Yeah. Sure. So, but just the idea that you would go up, that you would bring this girl up to the room under that circumstances, and the first thing you do is lock the door. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's frightening. It, it is. It's like at that point. It, was, it scared me. It did scare uh, It should have scared you. I mean, it, it should almost yeah. have caused you to want to start screaming bloody murder right then. Unlock that fucking door. I just, I, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I, there's a lot of guys that think that that, that, and listen, some women respond to that. I'm not saying a lot of women. I'm saying there are some women, but it still doesn't make it okay. When I, when I was married, I remember I, took, I went to a club. And my wife came to the bar. She was dis- she was like, I could tell she was disheveled. What's- I said, what's the problem? Well, I was dancing over there, and this guy just reached up my skirt. And I'm like, what? I, I- The thought of it was just, I couldn't believe it. Because I-, I guess, I don't know, I've never seen that. None of my friends have ever done anything like that, ever. I would yeah. never think to do that, ever. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, a, a drunk asshole in a bar you know, could reach around and grab a girl's tit or whatever, you I know. I don't know. I drink, too. I just, just never a, thought I a could do dickhead. that. just being a dickhead. But to lure a woman. Well, there's that. Uh, lure a student into, or like in an audition situation where you're, you're, you know, you've gone through this legit, it's a legit company because what you're talking about, Helen, is super legit. Yeah. You know. Oh, and, yeah. It was, it actually, it actually, that audition situation was 100% me agreeing to that. And it was actually a very positive experience. Uh, that, he that's wasn't not, a, that's different than being like physically threatened. Yeah, he you know? wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't seem to be afraid that you would tell somebody that you would. It's a power move. Like, he, he obviously was. Right. And, and I actually, I will say that um, I was 
of course knew that I wasn't the only person he ever did that to, but I'm sure I was one of the only people that ever immediately told my parents, told the president of the school, yeah. complained. My father wanted to sue the school and get the tuition back. Oh, I, bet. I I felt like I was embarrassed. You know, I was embarrassed. I felt like you know, oh my god, that's going to be the end of my career if you do that. You, you know, know it's I mean, a it crazy was, thing that that, un- crazy. that that people like this this particular professor. You know, under I don't know, doesn't have the life experience. You know, there's there are there's fucking people out there. There's fathers out there yeah. that would have killed that man. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, li- sure. would have killed him. I mean, that guy for would have sure. disappeared yeah. off the face My of the earth. My dad's this tiny vegetarian Jewish guy. Who's a, you know, <laughs> they're the, hey, they're the most crazy. dangerous. Yeah. They are the most My dangerous. The Skinny the vegetarian like, Jews <laughs> are fucking, they are lethal. They got, lethal. Compa- they got compost. <laughs> yes, they do. They are what's like, end up in there. I'm telling you right now, you know man, they, they, they've been bullied one too many times. And that's that. That's true. Done. Done. It well, is, so I, I'm sorry I that you had to, to experience I, it. I have a question for you, Les. Okay. I don't want to change the subject from my past sexual harassment, but I want you to <laughs> okay. tell me, because right. <laughs> I could talk about that all day. But okay, we'll get, we'll get back to it. Don't worry. What is happening with comedy? Like, what is happening? Is it, what is happening? Is it ever coming back? Like, what's oh, going yeah. on? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course it's coming back. You know, I mean, like, uh, let, let's put it this way. We get, we get calls. We get emails. And, and, you know, I'm in kind of a unique situation here being that the, the host, being a comic, you know, at least y'all act like that's true, but being a comic <laughs> and, uh, and being the host, you know, I'm a local celebrity here. So, I mean, being here 35 years. 100% true. People you know, every, must ask you on a daily basis this question. Right. Everybody knows you. So... I can tell you, when I'm out and about, everywhere I go, it's constantly, when are you opening? When are you opening? When's the next? When, awesome. What's what's going on? You know, it's not like nobody's coming up to me or, or calling in going, how are you going to open? You know, what's going to be the safety protocol? It's when are we going to have comedy shows again? So, I, I, you know, uh, uh this isn't going to stop people. I think that, I think that, I mean, you're always going to have a certain percentage of the public that can get overdriven in one way or the other, can get overdriven panicked or overdriven like I don't give a shit. But, and, and, especially and, in this state. And you might, yeah, and you might lose a few of those. But for the most part, I think that people understand what's going on right now. They understand that that uh, and it's not like something that hasn't been talked about for decades. A pandemic like this, this is something. This concept has been talked about for a while. Some now, of us have been aware of it. Yeah. So now <laughs> it's finally happened. But you know, I, I think that the key is once there's a vaccine. You know, yeah. I mean, once there's a vaccine, it's going to change it, things drastically. People are going to be okay. I mean. You figure this country. Agreed. You figure this country. Uh, uh, let's go back. You know, and you think about smallpox and polio and those kind of things. Now, when we had those diseases and we didn't have vaccines yet, uh, we didn't. Ha- we didn't have television. Barely had radio. So entertainment all had to come from congregating together in groups to see live performances. Well. 
Smallpox never stopped that. Polio never stopped that. The bubonic right. plague put a kind of a damper on shit. <laughs> But, <laughs> but, it's a bit of a bummer. I like that it you give the bum. bubonic plague its proper respect. It, 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 it was, yeah. yeah well, when right, you, when exactly. you kill a third of the world, <laughs> you got to give you got to give it that, <laughs> you know. But but by the way, it did kill a third of the world, and no if shit. you've noticed, we bounced back incredibly well. Yeah. To seven point three We're trillion. Like bunnies. A billion. True. Uh, but. The thing is, but, is, is but are that, you saying you're not going to open until there's a vaccine? No, 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 no. I mean, I hope we're open before there's a vaccine. I think we will be open before there's at a, a diminished vaccine. capacity. Possibly? Yes, we yeah. will be at a diminished capacity. Um, you know, I'm uh, I'm in regular contact with um, a lot of uh, strong comedy club owners now since this happened. People like Mark Ridley right. and and Wendy yes. in Denver, and I just talked to Nick Costas up at Hilarities, and you know, and Bruce Ayers in Birmingham. I know Nick. You know all I've these, all the, and and mm-hmm. I'm calling more. We're all of the same mindset. We all are now figuring out. We all kind we all kind of feel like we're hoping July is going to be our maybe our time to open. Uh, we all feel like we're probably going to open at about 30% capacity. It seems like 30% uh, is the lowest number we could go and have enough human beings in the room to do a good performance. I mean, you wouldn't want less than 100 people in my room spread out. You know, and that's what you are going to deal with as a performer. One of the things that we're all going to deal with is is sitting in a three, walking up on stage in a 300-seat showroom to 100 to 125 people spread out. It's going to feel real That empty. that we know is not good for stand-up comedy. It's not good for theater as a whole, but for stand-up comedy in particular, we all know our our sport needs to have the audience close together. It's also a sport where we are trying to make people spit shit out of their mouth <laughs> right. all the time. You know what I mean? So I mean, there, there's those things going on. But so there's a, it, it, I think that it's just a matter of I think that when we open, I think that people are going to come out. I think that the type of person that's going to come out is the type of person that believes if I get the virus, it won't kill me. It'll make me sick, right. but it won't kill me. Yeah. Uh, that the people that think it's going to kill them, they're not coming out. They're not going to any group situation until there's a vaccine. So that in the vulnerable part of our society the uh, uh, is not is not going to be part of our economy in the performing arts until there's a vaccine or at least a medication that me that that they can uh, treat it that treats it so that you're not you're not going to die yeah not fatal right and uh, so you know I, I I I think we'll get open but I think that we're probably going to go through I'm prepared for up to two years of getting maybe 50 to 70% of what we used to get, which I can oh do God. that. And I think most most good comedy clubs that have, you know, uh, uh, that have the ability, that, that, don't, that weren't running on a damn razor's edge, okay. as long as you save right, money. Right, are going to withstand this. Exactly. Yeah. But All the ones that I normally play. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, if we can get to that, if we can get back to that, we can keep our head above water uh, until there's a vaccine. 
you know, and then once there's a vaccine, I, I see things getting back pretty much to normal within six months of that. Um, because the, and I'm not, this isn't in just American people, this is people. People like to get together. Oh, yeah. People like the people, oh, who, doing it now. people who are used to being in the energy of excitement, that anything that creates excitement, theater, comedy, music, sporting events, that the, you, you can't get that on television. There is no way, and everybody who goes out knows yeah, the difference. True. And as yeah. a matter of fact, Helen, yeah. I think they're going to be, the longer this goes, the more they're going to be starved for it. Yeah. The more we're already getting tired of watching movies on television. We're already getting tired of watching Dave Chappelle in his fucking living room. I mean, you know, and I'm not saying that. But I mean, it's just right. like, you know, Jesus. Oh, my God. There's I mean, been so much bad, you know, very talented people not doing a great job of being funny on, uh, you know, Skype, I said that Facebook, the other night. Me and, me and Pam were sitting there going, I go, I do not want to watch another celebrity without makeup and, their, <laughs> and a fucking suit on oh and their God. hair done. <laughs> I don't want to see another celebrity sitting in their fucking living room with their kids with a sweatshirt on. I'm like, are you really? Really? Um, put a fucking nice, put on something nice and sit in the backyard with a nice backdrop for God's sake. Oh, my gosh. Jesus. I put uh, you on, know, yeah. Les, I did a, I did a, um, I did a show earlier today with um, Al Romas and Al Ducharme, the two dicks. You know, they have a web series, and yeah. I'm on that, and I, I was on it earlier today. I set up a scene in my house. I did full hair and makeup, including false eyelashes, and because I felt the exact same way. Like, I don't – just because you're quarantined doesn't mean you can't shower and do, you know, exactly. you're, you're – you're, you're in the public eye. You got to bring it when you're. It's the same as being on TV. You got to yeah. bring it. I just did. Uh, it's uh, you're exactly right. I've done a couple of uh, you know for the news, for the for the local news here. I've done a couple of those, and then a couple of interviews that were web based. You know, group organizations. You know, that, uh, and I did the same thing, man. I mean, I tried to. I mean, I tried to look nice, and I set up my computer in my backyard where. The scene behind me was as beautiful. I mean, nice. Like, yeah. not a fucking right. ceiling fan and fucking, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, right. and it's CNN in the there. background. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. I've you done know. a couple of house parties with my sister. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, I, 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 like today, we're, uh, tomorrow night, uh, my partner Ken Sons and I, we do a lot of charity auctions. And we've been doing one up in Rochester, New York for, I think this would have been our, 13th or 14th straight year to go up there for the Seneca oh, Park wow. Zoo. And, of course, they can't do it. It's a big wine and food, and, and we always raise a ton of money it, it, It's a, and, and that thing. Well, we're going to do it online this year. And then and, and so we were doing a little rehearsal. Well, my buddy Ken, and I'm not seeing Ken much because, you know, he's got two kids, and one of his kids has, a, has an immune system oh, situation. Geez. And so wow. he, they've got to be very careful. Must be sweating. Yeah, exactly and uh so you know so ken pops on well you know what letterman looks like now well that's yeah. what fucking ken looks like <laughs> you know this oh my god gray the beard, fucking beard the mountain man yes jeremiah and I, johnson and i'm like why why is there 
Just because you're quarantined, you can't fucking shave? What <laughs> What happened with that? I mean, it's one thing you can't get a haircut, but Jesus, you know, I mean. I got an 11-year-old. He, he doesn't care. I'm like, you need to take a shower. He's like, no, I know I don't. I'm like, yeah, you really do. Oh, is that? You need to shower. No, I don't know enough to do the school. I'm doing it on the computer. I'm like, you need to shower, bro. Like, yeah. seriously. You yeah. stink. It's gross. Okay. Either you're shower or I'm going to throw you in the backyard and hose you down. Yeah. But, but you're, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're exactly right. I mean, this, all this, I, I mean, I, I think that people, I think this, 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 I mean, and, and we are going to go through a, at least a year, at least a year of some, some kind of downing of performance, big groups oh. of people getting together. There's just no doubt. Her about reaction it. was the same as my reaction when you said that. I'm like, what? Yeah. Cause I, 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 I like the digital formats. I don't mind doing the talk show. I had a podcast. It's all fun, but I want to be a, I'm a club comic. Yes. I need to be in the club. And I'm telling you, man, people, you know, people. people are going to want mm, it more me than ever. I mean, they're just going to get so there. I, I, I think people are already over it. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, they are at Walmart. I'll tell you that. <laughs> tell you that. They're always over They've at a Walmart, enough. though. Yeah. So I think the idea. Well, maybe that, less. Maybe it'll be like the '80s. Maybe it'll be like a resurgence of of live comedy. You know, I, really I think so that starved. I think that one now we don't know what's going to happen, but I think <clears> there's a there's a chance there's a because people are c- contacting us all the time, and when they do say when are you going to open, and then when I say ah for us is we're hoping for mid July. If I got open by the fall, I'd be happy. And they're like, oh, my God, really? And I'm like, yeah, really, man. Think yeah, about it. Really. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, when are you going to get to go to a big sporting? I mean, I don't know if NCAA football or pro football is going to have anything this year. I think NFL is. They, they're planning on it. But once again, the virus will let us know. You oh, know, yeah. the virus will right. let us know what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I mean could, truthfully, I've been worried about people like Bronwyn and Marcella and your staff. Yes. And I know you did a Facebook fundraiser. And I hope people click on that and give because it's it you know you, you it's, know where it's that started Helen? whole industry that's not making any money right now absolutely yeah. and it's it's all performance arts yeah. but you know where that started that GoFundMe page uh, uh, Mike Barbiglia do you know who he is yeah yeah you know? yes I do yeah he started a thing uh, uh, you know just a few weeks ago uh, maybe about four weeks ago when this really got where he does. Him and one other comic uh, kind of go back and forth and do some material on a certain subject or something like that. And they set it up as a pay-per-view, and all the money was going to go into a pool for comedy club employees. Nice. And they, you know, and he's got some heat. And so Mark Ridley told me about it, and he said, you just go do this, and you got to set up a GoFundMe page, and you're part of it. And I think, and that started us, and I think we've got about $8,000 in there now, but I think 3000 of it came from Barbiglia. That's crazy. You know wow. what I mean? And so, wow. so that was the comedians. And, uh, you know, and, and so there's, I think some of the positives that will come out of this is, one, already comedy club owners, we are talking like we've never talked before. I mean, we are associating in a way more closely than I mean I've talked to comedy club owners that either haven't talked to in 20 years or that I've never talked to in my life COVID-19 the beef squasher it does (laughs) you know (laughs) know, I think I think we could come out of this as a stronger industry 
more unified as an industry with a bit with a bigger voice um i think that that the celebrities that are out there the celebrity comics that became celebrities by coming through the club system yeah. i would hope look back and go hey man we need to start helping these clubs and that was something me and the comedy club owners talked about a couple of weeks ago every comedy club owner that books a lot of celebrities all of us have probably three or four celebrities that we have a, a close relationship with that we've just you know hit it off with and i said uh -huh. we need to call those celebrities yeah. and go i don't know where we're going to need your help but we're going to need your help yeah you know and like the other night uh -huh. rob snyder called me at 10 o'clock at night and of what? course he's on the west coast and he called, and he was just like, hey, man, I've been thinking about you. I'm hoping everybody's all right. You know, I, I, your club's one of my favorite clubs, and I love you, brother. And I just, I just, he goes, I wish I had, he goes, I wish I had enough money to just send you a bunch of money, you know. But he goes, but listen, whenever you get open, I will come in for a straight door deal for no upfront. I mean, just nice. you tell me, you charge whatever. So, you know, and, and he's not the only one. Mm -hmm. there, there are there are celebrities out there that will step up in this situation. And, you know, I'm going to back up that one of the things that is also, a, I call it my silver lining, the silver lining of all this, is that, is that when things are comfortable and convenient, you know, people can hide their true character. But yeah. when shit goes sideways, you uh -huh. see... <laughs> who's really who yeah you know yeah, what i mean people's I true one. character really comes to light and you really see who are the real good people and i agree with that it's like the people who refuse to wear a mask at the grocery store you know <laughs> right, i mean right right you know well that's you know that's once again you got you got a group of people out there that feel like that the virus will not do anything but make them sick and I, I do a fireside chat on my Facebook page, you know, which is just leveling with the public on what I'm dealing with as a business owner, a successful business can, can owner. Can you do the next one with, like, a shawl over your legs? What's that? Can you do a next one next <laughs> with, like, a shawl, like, FDR style with a shawl over your Maybe a wheelchair? No. Okay. I, 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 I could. I mean, Let's just give him know, polio. I, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of alluding to the fact that I'm crippled. Let's just break his legs. What's happening unless? That's little right. Little. He can't. Oh, it's a wheelchair. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, so... But, you well, know, I think it, about we, it like Sinbad and the people that come through and, yes. you know, you know, draw and have this huge, you know, and you're right. I hope they come back around I think, and I, help the club stay alive. I think that I think a lot of them will. I think that uh, and, you know, legitimately, there might be a certain group of them. that are just afraid to do it. Another thing that's going to happen is and, and well, backing up on that, you know, I think that'll happen. I also think that we might see. A, a stronger surge in people going back to buying tickets to go to the comedy club. Well, I was about that. Because, you know, comedy clubs have been living off of deals, Groupon and customer rewards. And it's, it's, it's always, right. I mean, paper. Any, any, paper, any club in the country that tells me they're not doing, you know, unless a celebrity's in the room, that they're not papering the house at least 60% is lying their fucking ass off. Have you? They are. You know, and but that's just the nature. You're still getting your money out of them, but that's the nature of the business now. So maybe we'll see ticket because that's people are going. How can we help? And I've said <laughs> buy yeah. tickets. 
Well, uh, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, though, like history repeats itself. And after the Spanish flu and went into the Great Depression, uh, people flooded the arts. Like that was their escape. They yep. went to every live show they possibly could afford. Right. To avoid just the hardships. That's interesting. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think to your, I think. I didn't know that. Yeah, you'll probably see a, an influx of people that want to get the yeah. hell out of this uh, situation. There's usually wanna... in depressions is a boost in the arts. Have you thought yeah. about, um, since you're going to operate at, at a diminished capacity, have you thought about digitally selling your show? You know, that kind of hit me, but. It's hard. It's just hard. Just put a couple of cameras up and sell tickets. To yeah. Me, no? Well, here's, here's your caveat on that. So my show is me, you, and Helen, mm-hmm. okay? That's our show, yeah. all right? So I tell you guys, I go, look, to try to get things rolling here, you know, we're going to also sell, t- we're going to film the shows, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to stream them live. Street, yeah, stream, And you buy in. You know, you have to get the comics to buy into that, too, you know? Uh-huh. And there would be a certain, there would be a certain, I mean, if I was that comic, if I was one of you guys, I'd yeah. be going, well, do I share in that revenue somehow? No, I'm just going to pay you a flat fee. But that's what it is anyway. And though, you right? would have to trust that. For me anyway. Yeah, but, but that's right. Oh. But you don't know you don't know what kind of revenue I'm making off I, of that. I see that. what you're saying. You know what I mean? So, right, but for me, that depends on who the club owner is. Yes, yes. It, 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 it's the integrity of the club owner. Now, here's what we have talked about, and all of us have talked, and I think you're going to see this rock solid. I think what's going to happen is is I'm going to book you guys, and I'm going to to say, you know, this is how much we pay you for the week. Right. Okay? But I don't know if you're going to do six shows or 12 shows. and I don't know, because we can only put 100 people in the room, and I don't know what the demand's going to be. And it's not like if right. you did 12 shows, question. even if you did 12 shows and I sold every one of them out, I'm still well under my normal weekly number. I mean, we normally right. run 15, 1,700 people through here. Yeah. You know, so I think all the club owners were talking about that getting that that's what comics are probably going to get approached with is, is to work with us is going, you're getting paid a weekly, you're getting paid a salary for the week we don't know you might only do five shows we don't fucking know you know right. but but what and then well you just, the, the important thing is when i come there august 26th there's going to be a show yeah i hope so <laughs> and that's the day after pam's birthday that's the only reason i asked that was well, the day well, after pam's birthday and nice we people. were supposed to be on a cruise <laughs> in scandinavia we were leaving that week oh to get away oh, from you really? no, i'm teasing that's where we were supposed uh, to be, you know, but we're not going to be. But, uh, but yes, so the thing is, is that it, it does come down to trusting the club owner and going, like I would tell you guys, yeah. hey, man, work with me on this. I don't know how many shows we're going to do. We'll probably keep the shows a lot tighter, like, you know, rather than a show being an hour and a half to an hour and 40, 45 minutes, maybe we keep it to an hour and 15. Yeah. Keep things tighter so that people aren't inside yeah. as long. Go in there, kick their ass. And if I do great that week, then I'm going to bump you more money. I mean, you know, I'm just going to bonus you, you know, and, and for working with me. And, of course, that just – but I think, I think that's what – because we all know that in the beginning we're going to be opening to a third, being allowed to do probably no more than 30 to 40% seating capacity. That's uh-huh. for sure, you know. And we're well, going to have to address I, I, it. Yeah. 
I mean, we're going to have to we're going to have to uh, inform the public, our patrons, that that's what what's going to happen when you come into the showroom. Your experience is going to be different from the time you hit the box office. Everything's going to be different. It's going to be social distancing. You're not going to be able to hang out in my green room lounge. We're going to set up a thing outside where you can sit out there and be distant and, you know, have a cocktail and da da da. Then come in. We'll take, we'll let people in the showroom earlier so they can get in. You're going to be spread out so that it's not as condensed. We, we need to educate the crowd to that so that they understand we're going to, you're going to have a good time, but it's not going to be the same. Yeah. I don't want you thinking it's going to be the same. It can't be the same. Right. And then me as a host, especially, I need to come up there at the very beginning and address all of that, you know, that they're not beside each yeah. other. I and everything's just going to go through you know, like an evolution. So that when you guys get up, you don't have to address I don't, but it's, it's funny. Unless I, you I want to. Helen likes to improvise. I love to improvise. I'm just trying to picture what my first set's going to be like. I oh, that's all of us. I'm just trying to picture, like, what am I going to – because I've heard some comics say, you know, I don't want – it shouldn't be joking about it at all. I'm not a topical guy typically, uh-huh. but, you know. You know, you things change. It. It. You it's funny. I tell you this. The crowd's expecting us to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but everybody that Address knows you're a comic, with. aren't they constantly going, I bet you're getting a lot of material off this shit. Oh, yeah. I've all yeah. over Facebook. I hate that. And I haven't. I've written nothing. Zero. No, me either. I, I complain. Well, I've got anything? some complaints. I like think, Ellen, I don't like going to the grocery store much. I'll well, tell you on that. A, on a typical show structure, I think it'll mm-hmm. probably be up to the host and probably the headliner to address it at some point. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. just to touch on it. Yeah. Not necessarily do a joke about it, but just maybe touch on it. Funny's funny. Because we're all living in it. Funny's know? funny. Sure. You know? Right. But, but Les, you know, my show is just whatever's happening at the moment anyway. So I'll just be talking about whatever is happening at that moment. Well, she is sure. topical. I mean, you know, we dealt with that after 9-11. Sure. I sure. mean, that's a, gri- a prime example. 9-11 happened on a Tuesday. Okay? So a lot of us had a show the next night. Yeah. Either Wednesday or Thursday night, we had a show. And I can remember oh talking with club owners, just like I'm doing now, going on Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday, going, what are you going to do? And all of us were like, I don't know. I don't know. And it was Michael Alfano in Chattanooga that called me and said, you know what, Les? I'm going to be open Wednesday, and I'll tell you why. We're a comedy club. We're not Jake's Bar and Grill that's doing comedy in the corner on Wednesday. We are a comedy club. So anyone that's coming through those doors is coming there for that specific purpose, and they need it, and I'm going to be open. I went, Michael, you're exactly right. And that was the only time in all of my years of producing comedy that I ever censored comics. In that particular situation, I said, don't talk about 9-11. Yeah, that's fair. Because they, they're inundated with yeah. it. It's 24-7. They're coming mm-hmm. here to get a respite from it. Now, that was 9-11. This, I think, is a little different. It's a global For some event. reason, when I talk to people, I think they want us to address, to, to address it. I think, I you're think right. it, But it's going to be walking up. It's, you're going to be walking a high wire with this because we all know 
you have to address it the right way or right. else, you know, I mean, anybody sitting in that audience could have lost somebody that they loved to that disease recently, you know, so that has to be in our heads with anything that we try to get a laugh off of it with, you know, we have That's to feel, point. we have to feel especially like, especially in Sarasota. Of course, <laughs> of course, exactly. One of the oldest Sorry. communities in the damn <laughs> But let's country. be honest, I mean, come on. Well, but the thing about, you know, the wild thing is our hospitals have never gotten overwhelmed here. Yes. You know? We have fantastic hospitals yeah. in Florida, too. I, mean, I know. why. We should talk about that. How come Florida wasn't hit harder? That's a mystery to me. Because we, we so are, well I think our immune systems are fucking deal. rock solid. But nationally, we were in the top so, ten. What's that? I think nationally we were in the top we ten are, for cases. We're in the top ten yeah, but because not, not we're deaths. what top we're, we're, population. We're, population. That's why we're in the we're top ten. We're number we're number two population. Population, yeah, yeah, yeah right. Nine California right. is number one. We're number two. We beat out we Texas beat out and Texas and New York. Yeah, a this couple state of years didn't ago, get that way for lack of trying. I'll tell you that. Have you, did you see the beaches and the? Oh, mm. good God! Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Well, that's what the I'm beaches saying. in Disney. I mean, think about Disney. People flying in from Europe and Asia, all over the world. No hotspots in Orlando. I mean, it's, isn't it baffling how we're not worse off? I, it, it is. A, it is amazing, and it's a good thing. Yeah. But maybe mm-hmm. that's because I mean, it hasn't maybe, even been hot though. Maybe it's that's the sun. Because, maybe that's because here, <laughs> people are being more conscientious. I don't know. No, Where? We're, we're well, fucking... What city? We're Florida yeah, Flatlanders. We're we're Have not. you been to the racetrack two blocks from here? Yeah. It's our, a nightmare in there. Yeah, know. exactly. Our immune systems are, are up to key. Like, we're all a bunch of meth head, alligator fucking crazy people. A yeah. guy walked by me and licked me. They don't care. I yeah. Know. I know. Walmart is You're exactly weird. right. Nobody's, nobody gives a shit. Oh. Not nobody. But the people getting out. I mean, I, it's less than ten percent. Right. I, I see wearing masks. Can I, I say agree. this too? It was weird. No, like you can't. Uh, <laughs> okay, I will say this. So it's oh, like, you gonna say it anyway? I'm gonna say it anyway. So, but like, I remember when this first happened when when they were talking about shutting everything down. I had like my brother called me. He, he lives in New York, but he's from Florida, you know, and he had a pretty cool temper with it. But his girlfriend was freaking out. She's from New York and actually from Canada. But I remember like the mentality around Florida was kind of the same kind of feeling when a hurricane was coming. Yeah. When everything was gonna shut down, it was it was almost like. Like, people weren't – I didn't see the, the, the panic in people's faces as much as I heard it from other people around the country. You know what I mean? Like, right. Florida was like, we, we got this. We've been through six hurricanes in one year before. Like, we got this. You know, I know, I know it's not comparable yeah. as far as a disease and a hurricane, but as far as the government intervention and stuff, it is pretty comparable. Florida's you know? got ego. That's what this state yeah. has. Lots yeah. of ego. Our ego saved us. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Well, I, I – I, there's no answer to that. I mean, no, I don't no. know that there's an answer, no. and they'll find out. You know uh, uh, what we're what we're going to see over this next two months in this great experiment is: do we over <laughs> is do, do we not just does the virus rate go up in our state and in states that are liberally opening up, uh, but d- does do the hospitals get overwhelmed? If the hospitals don't get overwhelmed, They're that's okay. what I keep saying. If the hospital, the the virus rate can go up a lot, but if the hospitals don't get overwhelmed, be okay, yeah. that will the economy can still continue to open up. It's if those hospitals get overwhelmed, yeah. you know. But that, they also that's the big deal. They gotta be careful with that because some of these hospitals, not necessarily in Florida, they can't stay open because they're not treating anything else but covid and they're not making any money believe it or not it's still a capitalist system in the hospital where, thing so it's hey like, helen yeah where's your, your is your daughter out in california 
she is in California right that's, now. That's so she doing? was living in an apartment off campus when they went to online school. Yeah. So I just elected to keep her out there. Yeah. Oh, sure. For now. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, she, you don't want her traveling. That's for sure. No. You know, getting in a damn well, no, plane right now. You know, you just want her to. So how, how she how as a as a young college student, you know, a person who's who who she falls into that category of. Eh, if I get it, I'll get sick, but it ain't going to kill me, you know? Well, I, I will tell you that she is an introvert. So she loves to be alone and, you know, you know, it, with her, she would be fine by herself forever. So she's, I think people that are introverts are doing much better. I'm somebody that work obviously television on stage all the time, but when I'm not, I mean, less you know that I don't need to have like a, a huge amount of people around me. I'm like right. like my daughter. I'm kind of this extrovert introvert. Right. So I, I, she's doing well. She's actually doing really well. She was very excited that her classes went to pass fail. So she got to select which one of her classes she didn't take a grade in that she just took pass fail. So she kind of cherry picked which one she knew she was going to get A's in and did that. And she felt like that was, you know, she's really doing fine. I think she feels like this is something um i think the college kids feel like it's something happening to some other people right in a way right 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 you know i don't want to make her sound bad but i no. think she doesn't quite get the enormity of it no I, I think that that's what i've seen since we've uh opened back up even at the less than 25 percent capacity thing and i've been out and about just watching human nature yeah and what i've noticed is is that the people that are out that have decided to get out uh, at all ages are uh, being much more cavalier than I thought they would be, especially the older ones. But if they're under forty, they don't. They're you can just tell they're they're not that worried about it, you know. And that was one of the things I talked about in my fireside chat. I was going, if you're one of those people, that's fine. But what you do have to respect is is because of the nature of this disease. You do have to respect that. If you're going to do that and not social distance at all and hook up with strangers like you normally do or whatever your lifestyle is, you can't get, you can't put yourself around anyone who's vulnerable. No. You can't. I mean, you literally, you literally now have to be very cognizant of distancing yourself from anyone that's over 60 years old, totally distancing yourself from them taking them out of your life and for i think for a lot of younger people they go that's fine with me you know i mean that's fine with me. But, <laughs> right. you know what i mean i got no problem with that but you really need to do that or you got to really button up you know whenever you're getting around yeah but the, if they infect somebody who then goes in, in turn and infects somebody they have to, there's no way to know if you're the you're like creating a bridge between you and somebody who's 60 is my point well, that's true. You that's know what true. I mean, right? So, so that, so that flippancy is pretty messed up in my. Well, it, it it it's the thing of anyone who's being cavalier. Yeah. You almost have to say to yourself, "I'm only going to, as best I can, I'm only going to get near or hang out people who are just like me." Yeah. Or you, are, you know what their quarantine is. You know what their right. circle of people are. That's exactly right. You have to be cognizant of that. Yeah. Uh, because so. I mean, I have people that know me. I have a 102-year-old grandmother in the nursing home. At some point, I'm going to go visit her. If you infect me and I bring it to that nursing home, guess what? 
Yeah. Some people die up in there. Yeah, but you can't go. I mean, they, they shouldn't be letting you in a nursing home. No, they they're not. They're not at this yeah. point. They're not. Yeah. But I'm saying at some point they will. And right. we're, we're expecting maybe possibly a second wave or whatever. I'm quarantined. I don't go around other people, but I'm saying the people that are flippant when I go to the Dollar Tree or wherever. Right. They don't care who no. I'm coming in contact with after. And that's to me, that's like, hey, I am. I don't know who they have in their circle. Sure. That sure. I may infect. So I put a mask on. Well, you know, there's the the. You know, the uh, talking to my cousin, we're the same age, grow, grew up together. He's a doctor, been a doctor for 35 years. And he's like, you know, are we overreacting? Maybe. But maybe not. Better safe than sorry. Better, he goes, this is an unknown entity. You're better to be safe. You're better to err that way. He yeah. goes, do I think that a lot of it might, that the death rate might counts might be higher than they really are and some of that kind of stuff he goes maybe 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 might be so Fifty thousand people die of the flu every year now this is triple that already yep in you two know months. so it's a lot more deadly but he goes still fifty thousand people die of the flu every year and we can't get 40 percent of the population to take a damn flu shot you know he goes young people die of the flu every year he said but Everybody's very cavalier about that, you know. But on the other hand, he goes, I don't want to catch this. I'm telling you that right now. He goes, I, I don't want to catch it. Sounds pretty awful. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there, he kind of he flips one way and the other with it, you know. But he goes, you know, but also, can we keep our economy shut down for two years? No way. <laughs> he goes, I think no way. there's a point where – we might have to start treating this like we treated smallpox mm-hmm. and polio. Do the best we can. Do the Live with it. Yeah. You got to live with it. And realize if you feel like you're really vulnerable, then you need to button up. And the others are just willing to take a little more risk. And if you get a cluster, if you get a really strong cluster of people, outbreak, if you get an outbreak somewhere, you quarantine that area. That's what they used to do with smallpox and polio right. and things like that. They would really button up that area for a while. But he goes, it just might be something that we just have to kind of live with. And, you know, uh, uh, and he goes, you know, and I mean, that's kind of tough when you're looking at numbers that say in a year, year and a half, we could lose a half a million people in, in our country, just in our country, you know, uh, even though half of those people or more than half of those people are probably going to be over 60 years old going to be over oh. 70 years old. also have underlying conditions and all sorts of other things. whatever but yeah, still we're also not the healthiest nation <laughs> still well, in, yeah. what are you talking about i'm i love kale I'm ripped <laughs> <laughs> anyway. but i think that really goes to the core of what's going on is how unhealthy we are as a nation yeah i think that's why we're number one in death Oh yeah. Well, they've already talked about in the in the in the the low income area where seems to be getting hit the hardest. Well, you go why? Well, because diabetes and high blood pressure and obesity, which the other day they said from the deaths that have happened, that seems to be the three things that mostly contribute: obesity, high blood pressure, and diabetes. And you know, that's just a big part of the low-income area because of the shitty, uh, uh, you know, food that that People they eat having no money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, also the food deserts. They don't – like sometimes you go to 
certain parts of the uh, impoverished areas and they don't even have supermarkets they just have like a 7-eleven and they're going in there buying soda and shit Chips with ebt they call cards it a food desert they call it uh yeah uh, or nu- nutrition desert they call nutrition it nutrition desert yeah and then there's other people that go don't they have a backyard area? <laughs> grow some damn I have a question about this <laughs> podcast. Does it ever end? What? Does the podcast ever end? I don't think so. <laughs> this like podcast? I think okay. it goes forever. <laughs> it does. It does. We haven't end. left. Helen's tired. <laughs> we do. We do sit here. And just well, you've been wondering how like, long we've been going. I just now. wanted to get like an idea because I should have brought provisions. I'd like, say I thought this was like hour thirty. Yeah, what time <laughs> we get? I realized it's like a two hour. Oh, I see. Oh yeah, we do need to be wrapping it up. It's we've had good. we've had Helen on for fifty six minutes, oh, good and Lord. it's been amazing, Helen. <laughs> yeah. I never. I had no idea. And you know what? You know why? Because the first 30 minutes you're on, we were talking about you nude <laughs> chased around by electric right by. And it just made time fly. Like a by the way, when I'm there for the week of August 26th, I will do some of the shows nude, but I won't tell the audience in advance which which ones they are. Okay. So we'll see if that Look, bumps you don't up. Have to, you, don't, you don't have to be completely nude. I'll tell you what. Here's what. We'll all wear G-strings, gold, gold <laughs> lame G-strings with stars on the front. How about that? I, am so, I like it. Uh, I'm, I'm in. So glad okay. I'm not in this show. Okay, Chris is in. I uh, know. I said I'm not. You're I'm hosting. Not in. No, you're, you're not in. Say a G-string with a star. All right. Okay. You have not seen me in shorts. Bro. You know who used to wear that? Look up a group out of the '70s. <laughs> Doug Clark and the Hot Nuts. <laughs> are you said a real? They were name? real. They were real, and they they you are and they were that they up. had several albums, and they were very popular. The Hot Nuts. Doug right. Clark and the Hot Nuts. That's great. It's right here. They yeah. used to play. They used to play uh, clubs in Memphis. Man, they packed those, but and they wore gold gold jockey straps with stars on Jesus the front. Jesus wept. Are you serious? Yes. Yes. Doug Clark and the Hot. Nuts. I would love to How see do you like know this West? what? I would love to see after the show. How do you hot know nuts. this? Hot nuts. <laughs> I'd like to see after the show where they're like one of the hot nuts is at the bar trying to pick up a lady. He's like, that's Doug over there. I'm one of the nuts. I don't know if you heard. Are you the, the hot nut? I'm the left one that sticks I'm to the, the leg. I'm the, I'm the hot nut on the left. I'm sorry, Helen. I apologize. I'm the middle nut. Yeah. That's right. Oh, my that's God. Right. Well, Helen, thank you very much for, for calling in, and, and we appreciate it. And you know, Wait, do, when I leave, do you guys keep going? No. <laughs> like, is this? Oh. <laughs> we're going to wrap it up. We, t- we, we were going to do an improv, but I think we've been going so long now. I've been in the house for three months. Do not take this away from me, Helen. <laughs> I know. I know. All right. I, no, no, no. I will go. You guys do the improv. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and I'm so excited to come down to the club on the 26th. I hope everything is, you know, I hope I hope it's open, limited capacity. Everybody's safe. Me, I'll be there. Me too, Helen. Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like we will be. Fingers crossed. All right. Fingers crossed. Thanks, sweetie. Take care. All right. All right. Bye, Les. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, Chris. Bye, Bye Helen. Angel. Bye. Bye. All right. I can't believe I've never worked with her. That's crazy. She's great. You know, she, I love her. She, she I've seen so much fun. clips, and she seems very nice and very awesome. She is. Oh, no. She's, a, she's a, and she's just, you know, I, I just love, I mean, that's the thing about female comedians as a whole, you know. It's just, I, I just, you know, I, I, I love, I mean, strong women. My mother was a strong woman, and I just love strong, outspoken women, you know, that, and I mean, I hate to categorize or anything like that, but I, I remember as a kid growing up, something that really impacted me was my aunt, who I just love, my aunt Sarah, was wonderful, my, my mother's sister. And her husband, my Uncle Reggie, he died very unexpectedly. He was a 
fit, you know, college athlete uh, uh, and successful businessman. And at the age of like, I think, 56 or 57, he had a massive heart attack out of nowhere. And I mean, it, it killed him. I mean, like instantly. It just I, one I of those, tell these stories One here. of those widow makers, less. you know. So it just killed him instantly. And so here she was <laughs> without a husband out of nowhere. Well, she was one of those. And back then, and somewhat my mother was too. In the, you know, that was during a time when women stayed at home and took care of the kids. Men were the breadwinners. The women, the women for the most part, in, in that group, you know, all the way, they didn't know how to they didn't know how to use a checkbook. They didn't pay bills. They didn't. They were given a, a weekly budget, right? To, to for, go to for, the and if they needed anything stuff. extra, they asked yeah. and justified why. They didn't work for the most part. You know what I mean? That was that culture. Yeah. And when he died, my aunt and I, I was probably a young, you know, thirteen or fourteen. I just I can remember that they everyone was so worried about her because she didn't know how to run her life, and wow. she had two kids, and she was clueless on all. And and not that she wasn't smart and bright enough, she just was never taught, you know. And I and I thought back then, how fucked up that was, <laughs> you know. Nobody, her husband didn't. They didn't sit down as a couple, and. You know, it from time to time and oh, no. go over, yeah. go over shit, and you know, no, case I'm no, gone. no. Here's how to you know what's weird about that? Lesson? Nothing. A lot of couples are still like that, bro. I know they I know. really are. There's and, not a lot of talking happening, and it's it's just you know, and so you know, at that from that point on, I was like, I mean, Open I was, like, I'll, I'll never, if I ever have a daughter, I'll never raise her that way. Yeah. You know, I'll, I, I never, you know, I never want. You know, any woman that I care about, you know, I want her to be as knowledgeable and strong and dynamic and, you know, all, all the independent. attribute independent as, as any man would be. You know what I mean? And, of course, in this day and time, that's more the norm. But Back most then. female comedians are up. Or on the alpha end of that, you yeah. know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, all, and that's, uh, I enjoy being around. I'm dating one, and she's got her shit together. That's right. One that's side. right. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Right. Well, guys, thanks a lot. Pleasure. I Always love. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming out and sitting here with us. And yeah, this was fun. You know, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like a lot of times when you say you're going to do improv at the end of the show. And then you go up and you go, well, we were going to do improv in the show, but the damn show was so good that we just we used yeah. all our time up. Uh, Can there be a next time? We'll yes, do, next there time. Will, yes, there will be. To be, be continued. Yes. will be a next time, for Perfect. sure. Perfect. And next Because week. obviously we're going to be doing this for at least two, two more months. No, yeah. I, you know what? I like where your head's at, and you're, I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing because there's a lot of guys, not just the famous guys, but the local guys too are like, what's going to happen? We're really nervous, and we want to work, you know, well, we're behind you. It's, you know, and thanks. And, and, uh, and we're, you know, and, and that's where people, I love when comics say we feel for your staff. We feel for the comedians. I mean, we're sitting yeah. here going, you're, you guys are, you're all dead in the water. You know, I mean, there's nothing. There's the weird nothing. thing is that when you say that, it's, 
every comedian. Every yeah, comedian. All of them. <laughs> when you think of like Steve, like the famous ones, they're dead in the water yeah, too. Yeah, every comedian, yeah, every it actor. It might be the only positive Every actor, thing, uh, every dancer, they're all <laughs> in the like same freaking boat. <laughs> yeah. You know, all performance artists are sitting here twiddling their Right, thumbs. even the musicians, yeah. They're all, I mean, they're all sucking wind in this situation. Uh, when you you're know? ready, we'll be ready. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, and you know, and, it, and like I say, the the fear of and hearing it from Helen, do you think this is going to be a la- there's going to be a lasting effect of, on this to where people won't want to come out and congregate? Yeah, I groups? think people are going to come no. out. They they're going to have to. Absolutely, they're 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 st- they're going to be they're already starved. They're starved for it. Already yeah. starved for it. They're gun toting ready. Absolutely, <laughs> you're exactly ready. They're <laughs> gun toting ready. They're going to shoot open our doors. Let me in. I want to land. <laughs> can I promote my thing real quick? Yes, you can. Uh, I'll be on Instagram. It's at uh, Gorgeous Comedy, G-O-R-G-E-S Comedy. Once a week, I'll interview a comedian. This week, I got a guy from the UK. He's the Liverpool Comedy Festival and the Edinburgh Comedy Festival, John Wilson. Awesome. Uh, you can listen. We just do the same thing, it's, but it's video oh, and it's awesome. on Instagram, and it's awesome. It's cool. Great. Great. I'll be doing Jim McHugh's next week. Sweet. And, uh, yeah. I'll be watching Netflix <laughs> next week. And, uh, I'll be probably annoying my roommate. Nice. Musician. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out and listening to us. We certainly appreciate it, and have a great week.